listeners, we have a new partner to bring you even more laughs. Cottage Comedy Digital brings you the very best in comedy specials, albums, podcasts, and original series. Check out cottagecomedy.com for all their hilarious content. Welcome to Moms Are Not Funny, the podcast where we, two wannabe comics, interview comedians about the moms that influence them and their sense of humor. We will also chat about their favorite mom comedians and the impact they've had in the comedy world. I'm Jen Richardson. And I'm Christine Hall. Okay, here we go. Today we have with us Ronnie Pascal. He is a Brooklyn-based comedian. In 2021, he is starting a project to stream 365 comedy shows in 365 days. That is quite ambitious. Thank you for joining our show. Thank you. Is it ambitious or is it crazy? Both. Yeah. Ambitiously crazy. (laughs) I uh, started it in 2020 and... uh, for the first like two months of 2020 did it. I was doing a podcast today and then the world got crazy. So I was like, let's put this on hold for now. So what, um, what's your, what's it going to be about? Like what, like uh, what are these 365 days going to be filled with? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, in, from 2000, 2015 to 2018, I was the artistic director of an improv theater and we had five uh, shows a day on three separate stages, so 15 shows a day. And I was just producing a lot of stupid shows. And I liked a lot of them enough to like want to keep doing them. So I was like, how do I make these work on Zoom? So a lot of them are just like, one show was eight people doing impressions of Adam Driver. So, <laughs> uh, so the whole show is just Adam Driver impersonators. So. Uh, one of them that we're going to do when we come back is eight Nicholas Cages, and then another day is eight Betty Whites. I was, I'm so about Betty White. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I listened to some podcasts that you were interviewed for. So you got into comedy because um, you were relatively a shy kid, but then improv kind of opened the door for you. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I grew up very shy, uh, actually. When I was like four or five, I was in a karate class and I hated it because I hated being around the other kids. So my mom paid the karate instructor extra to teach me private lessons. It's like very socially awkward. Uh, I went to a public school for first and second grade and I just didn't adjust well to being around like hundreds and hundreds of kids. So my mom took me out and put me in a private school. I was the same 20 kids for the next eight years. Uh, So it was just like a little smaller. And then somewhere around like age 16, 17, I was like, oh, man, I actually like talking to people. Uh, (laughs) Isn't it weird? I feel the same way. Like I was the same as a kid. I was the wall. Like I I looked like I was a mute. And um, then in my high school years, like I opened up and it's just weird that you find yourself like people that hear that I'm doing stand up are like, what? Yeah. It's, It's very weird that such shy people can find their way to that. I had a chronic need for attention. So that wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) All the way through, all the way through. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I really had that though. Cause like mm -hmm. in like sixth grade, I started writing jokes and I wrote some like gross parody songs that (laughs) I didn't show a lot of people, but the people I showed, I was like, I want this person to like this right now. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, they were gross. Yeah, I, I was always that kid who was in talent shows. 
Oh, I was definitely afraid of that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, like I dreamed about it, but I couldn't get there. And then the thing is, it's like leading up to it, I'd be so excited and then I'd always get a like stage fright and I wouldn't perform the way I wanted. <laughs> but it's cool. Like I still did it. What was exactly. your talent? Uh, I, uh, singing and dancing. I, uh, <laughs> I sang a lot growing up, like in the church choir and stuff like that. So I would always sing in front of my school whenever I could. Nice. Yeah. Actually, I've seen videos of you, Jen, doing like a singing with a band and waltzing, and they blew my mind. Like, she's very talented. Yeah. If I had real talent, I would be a triple threat, but I, it's like <laughs> mediocre. I'm a mediocre threat. Like, a, <laughs> um, yeah. you'd think, be waltzing and singing jokes. <laughs> I would watch that all day long. <laughs> You know, the our podcast, it's called Moms Are Not Funny. So um, we'd love to know, you know, who in your life influenced, uh, like, which moms in your life influenced your comedy and, you know, your sense of humor? Well, uh, directly all my mom and both of my grandmothers uh, directly influenced it. Uh, my mother had, like, a really dark sense of humor. And, I mean, I won't get into her jokes, but she loved dead baby jokes a whole lot. Uh <laughs> And so I was like, I knew them all growing up. She would tell me like, I don't know. Do you know those like quadriplegic jokes? Like the really dark ones. I won't say them on air, but they're really dark. My mom liked those. But then my mom's mom was the complete opposite and loved like these cheesy jokes that she would read in like a joke book that came from like the 1910s, I think. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> and this is your mom's mom. Correct. Oh my God. That's wild. Yeah, there's uh, a story that my great-grandfather, when he came to America from Italy, learned English by reading joke books. And, <laughs> That's the way to do it! <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only joke that I remember is he would tell... So he passed when I was like eight, so I like have a decent memory of him. And uh, his favorite joke was, what did the monkey say when he got his tail stuck in the lawnmower? <laughs> I don't know. Won't be long now. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how this dude learned English was. Like, I, was like, I love dad jokes. He used it as small talk. Yeah. <laughs> that was his opener. That was his opener. And his closer and his, and, his closer. <laughs> and then he just walks away. Yeah. It was just like, that's it. So yeah. He couldn't ask where the washroom was, but <laughs> he could tell a joke about it. <laughs> He can do monkey jokes all day long about monkey tails specifically. <laughs> He's like, here's my type five on monkey tails. <laughs> type five. But he didn't know what any of the words meant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, yeah. when you decided to get into comedy, like how did your mom, like how did she take it? Uh, well, my mom actually had passed away by that point. So, yeah. uh, but my mom knew that I wanted to get into comedy because my stepfather owns a restaurant and I was the cashier because I did not have the talent for cooking food at that point in my life. And uh, so they just were like, all right, go buy the phones, answer the phones and take people's money. And I was like, I could do both of those things. And I started telling jokes to customers, the, the regulars. And I was like, oh, I love the attention that I get from that. And I love having these like personal inside jokes with these people. So I think my mom caught on to that. Uh, Actually, though, the other person that influenced me was my other grandmother, my father's mother. 
And uh, after my mom passed away, I moved in with her because I just wasn't ready to be a human for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think she saw me like, so that was when I was 20. So from 20 to 23, I lived with my other grandmother. And she was like, uh, she got laid off from her job. They gave her a big severance package. And she gave me $500 to sign up for my first improv class. Because oh, I, nice. yeah, so it was like very directly, like, here's the money, go do this because this is what you want to be doing. Wow. So, was she funny? Uh, no. <laughs> Some people aren't. Yeah. <laughs> but she uh, really wanted me to write jokes about her. So I like, really tried to write jokes about her. But she was so nice that I was like, it was hard to do. You have one to share? Uh, well, in real life, uh, two years ago for Christmas, I bought her an Alexa, and she loves it. And so the I started writing jokes about how Alexa replaced me as favorite grandson. <laughs> uh, but the jokes are in still workshop mode because I just can't figure out how to make these jokes funny. But it's something like, Alexa replaced me as favorite grandson. And I knew that when I overheard my naughty saying, Alexa, write Ronnie out of the will. Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and then... Uh, I was replaced because Alexa is really good at talking about the weather all day long. Still, that I don't have. That is one of her talents. Yeah. I ask her several times a day. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Alexa and Siri, all of them, they're good at weather. <laughs> so these, so those three were the the women that influenced you in your personal life. What about oh. like growing up, like watching TV? Did you have anybody influencing you that way? Any TV moms? Oh, definitely. Uh, so the thing that me and my mom did bond in was watching TV. My mom would let me stay up late at night. My mom would not even like force me to go to sleep. It was like, stay up until you want and watch Nick at night. So <laughs> uh, I love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke show incessantly. So Lucy and Mary Tyler Moore were my heroes growing up. I actually have a channel. I have like a antenna <laughs> and it gives a channel that keeps playing dick van dyke and i can't get enough of it i love that show yeah it's so good when people make fun of it i was like no it's 30 rock but like 50 years before and, <laughs> and i love 30 rock but i love dick van dyke dick van dyke is still going going strong somehow yeah they wow. guide him into the new mary poppins movie a few years oh ago. my god it was oh. amazing when yeah. he got up on the desk, I was like, I, I have such a crush on him. Yeah. Well, he's, it, he's still a babe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he I, is. There's something so attractive. Like, yeah. His charisma is in- insane. insane. Yeah, it's like Sean Connery, how he was sexy till he was dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, even now. Yeah. Even now. I bet you he looks good. I bet you he looks good. Dick Van Dyke is 94 years old. Oh, my God. Dang. I just have to look yeah. it up. But like, yeah, I, I bet he'd have a hard time with that broom dance now. <laughs> <laughs> His knees. <laughs> like, ah. I love uh, Dick Van Dyke's show because, like, Mary Tyler Moore really kept that family together. Like, Dick staying mm-hmm. worked very late. And Mary Tyler Moore's character, I think her name was Mary. I am forgetting. Was I like, feel like it was, yet. I'm yeah. I'm sure it is. Now I'll I'm second-guessing. I'll look it up while we're talking but yeah she was great on that show and she like kept it together and made it like interesting to watch I loved um, oh I'm not going to remember her name but she always had the bow and she worked in the she worked with them as a comedian and a writer and she it was amazing that they had her in there in that time I thought I was like this is great the three of them would work in that room together 
Yeah. Whoops, I can't remember her name. Rose. Okay. Tyler Moore was Laura. Oh, so close. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know that. I should know Laura Petrie off the top of my head. But hey. <laughs> I've just been watching them like crazy. I should know it's Laura. Such a good, like it holds up too. Like if you watch it now, it's so good still. It's so good. Yeah. I love watching it. Me. I look forward to it. If I can stay up that late now, because it's yep. on at 10. <laughs> Do you have a, like a funny story of like your, one of your moms or your grandmas that you wanted to share? Oh, so many. Uh, I mean, I don't tell this story enough. And this is one of my favorite stories. And it's before my mom was a mom. But uh, does that count? Yep. So she was like a teenager when this happened. Uh, my grandmother's brother was the house drummer for the Las Vegas Hilton. So he got to play for like Elvis and Liberace and all these other. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, so I'm from Connecticut, Las Vegas, obviously other side of the country. Uh, So I didn't know that family too well. My mom was, oh, so my grandmother was a nurse. And so when my mom was home for the summer from school, my grandmother's like, I cannot control you. I can't watch you. So my mom would get flown to Las Vegas uh, to stay with my uncle because he had a daughter my mom's age. And so my uncle is the drummer for the Las Vegas Hilton. And one night he's about to perform with Liberace. And so my mom's backstage is like a teenager and gets arrested by hotel security because she stole a jewel out of Liberace's dressing room. Oh, my God. <laughs> Caught like immediately. So she oh. get like 10 feet away. Uh, my favorite second part to the story is in 1996, Dr. Dre and Tupac come out with the song California Love. And there's a line Dr. Dre says in it uh, where he says, Diamond shining, looking like I robbed Liberace. And I was like, this guy talks about this, but my mom actually did this. My mom. <laughs> Maybe they knew about that story and they're referencing your mom. Yeah, I hope so. I don't. Your, your mom's the original gangster. Yeah, my mom is so OG that she influenced Dr. Dre. <laughs> and like, that's what I grew up with. Like, my mom's super, she was super eccentric. Uh, I think she had, I don't know too much about it. I've only heard in, so my mom's uh, best friend growing up is a psychiatrist now. And she was my grandmother's psychiatrist up until like recently. And I found out like secondhand stories of like my mom having like, ADD and stuff like that. But uh, growing up in the 70s and early 80s, you don't get diagnosed. So it just went untreated. So uh, it was eccentric, but fun in like a weird way growing up. Does that make sense? Yep. (laughs) So it was just like always something going on, always like a scheme up her sleeve or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier, um, pre-interview, that um, she's in a lot of your material. Yeah. uh, I was nervous at first because I... So I write a lot of dead mom jokes because I was like, this is my homage to her because she loved all these dark jokes. And uh, I was afraid at first because I don't, I would say like five years ago, I wouldn't consider myself a dark comedian. And over the last five years, I noticed like, oh, I've embraced it a lot more. (laughs) And uh, as I was telling you earlier, uh, Christine, is that I like have to ease the audience into it because some audiences love dead mom jokes and some audiences hate dead mom jokes. And mm-hmm. what I have noticed though, is the people who walk up to me after like, I hated what you just did. Uh, those are the people who have two live parents. So I was like, <laughs> who are you to tell me how to like deal with my pain and grief? And I was like, this is cathartic. Uh, my friends who do have dead parents who are comedians and tell jokes about their parents like that. Uh, 
it's something cathartic and it's just like to help me and to help the other people deal with it who are like, because like there's a high percentage of audience members who have a deceased parent. Yeah. But comedy is, this is what comedy is. It's like going into those places and that's what you should be doing. Like I applaud you for doing that. That is what you should be doing. Thank you. For sure. You're finding like the humor Mm -hmm. in it. And you will be helping people is the thing. Like, oh, that's a different way of looking at it. Or yeah. uh, maybe they had painful situation with their mom and they just come out like, oh, you know what? It, it, things suck, but they don't have to suck, suck. Yeah. Uh, well, for me personally, it was like I had uh, like depression issues growing up from like age like 13 to 30. I'm 35 now. So uh, I didn't deal with it. And then when my mom passed when I was 20, it just kind of like I pushed it down, didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like 30 is when I started writing jokes about it. And I noticed that's when I started like all my anxiety attacks and all that went away. So I was just like, oh, all I have to do is deal with it and everything will be fine. Dang, I got to follow that advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine are like flaring up. Oh, right. Dead, more dead mom jokes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, which stand up comedian moms like are you into like that you follow or you think are really funny right now? Uh, well, uh, I was talking. It doesn't even have to be right now, actually, like of all time. <laughs> uh, well, even right now, there's. Uh, I was telling Christine earlier, there's a comedian now named Laurie Kilmartin that I absolutely mm-hmm. love. And Laurie's big thing is uh, she, her father passed away a few years ago, and she wrote a 45 minute stand up set about that. And then uh, a lot of the jokes led to her. Uh, her and her mom had a bad relationship, so uh, she joked like the wrong parent died first. <laughs> Which I was like, that's so sad and so dark and so true, right? So, and then like her mother passed away recently, and she wrote jokes about that on Twitter of like, oh man, I was actually way more sad than I thought I would be. And like, also like a lot of the jokes are about how she has a son who's I forget his age, but younger, like five or six years old, and how she's like now like trying to be a better parent because of like the mistakes they made and how she uses humor to like heal. And I, I noticed like you have like incredible success on Twitter. How, um, how do you think it's influenced your, co- like your comedy at all? Or like, because you know, you have what 43,000 followers or something like that. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, let's see uh, about five, six years. My dream growing up was to write like, the monologue jokes at the beginning of like a Conan Conan O'Brien or like a Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, someone had mentioned that maybe, I don't know if this is true or not, because I've never heard or seen this elsewhere, that Jimmy Kimmel only hires his monologue writers through their Twitter feeds. Uh, And yeah, I haven't seen that. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that made me really focus on writing Twitter type jokes. And then uh, I started like getting a little bit more following from that. And then, uh, do you know, do you remember the Comedy Central show at midnight? It was a no. show that was on every single night at midnight, and they also had a built-in Twitter game. So from oh. midnight to like 2 a.m., people would be tweeting jokes at this show. And then the next day, they would pick a few that they liked, put them on air. And they were continued, like once a week using my jokes. And so what that taught me how to do was like really edit my jokes down to like being like structurally sound, perfect jokes. Uh, 
I'm saying right now, all of my jokes are perfect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so it just made me like really quickly like learn how to edit faster because uh, Twitter doesn't have an edit button. So like if I screw up a joke, oh, I, I delete it. And if it has more than like 10 likes already, I'm like, oh, I got to delete this and I'm going to lose all that love. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Twitter's like maybe also I like trying jokes out and seeing how people react to it of like, a joke that I would be like too afraid to say on stage, I could like tweet out and mm-hmm. it's not getting any love or people are like, this is not a good joke. I could just hit delete and never hear from it again. Sometimes I've put on jokes that didn't work and I put it on Twitter and it'll be loved there. It's like, sometimes it's vice versa. Yeah. Like I've had jokes that crush on Twitter. And then if I stay on stage, people are like, Or some jokes that fail on Twitter are hard. Uh, If I say on stage, they're the ones that just end up being the best jokes. It's weird. Yeah. Where, um, like, before the pandemic rocked everybody's world, where were you doing stand-up most often? Uh, I, uh, so... I'm a newer stand-up. As I was doing improv for 10 years. I did improv sketch. Uh, and then about a year ago, I was just like, I don't like doing improv. I hated doing improv. Never enjoyed it. It's so stressful for me. I should just start uh, doing my jokes on stage. And so I started reading my tweets, basically. Uh, and I mostly at the People's Improv Theater or the Pit in New York. Um, and then I would like ask friends to jump on their shows and so I was doing like a lot of stupid little bar shows. I never did like the stand-up clubs in New York, like Caroline's or whatever. We're still working towards that. But like weirdly, like the pandemic actually has been good for my career. I hate saying that. That's awesome. Yeah, I've uh, been doing a lot of Zoom shows. And through that, I got booked and shot for a new Kevin Hart show that's coming up recently. So, nice. yeah. Can you tell us what it's uh, called? Or is it's, it still? They, well, what they sold it to me as was called Road Comics, but I think it's called Lift Comics now, where it's comedians telling jokes to passengers. Uh, so I have to be <laughs> my jokes to my Lift passenger. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! You you also have like a show called Roast yeah, Yourself, and that's how I got that. Was uh, I started Roast Yourself in May, uh, just as like uh, so my grandmother passed away of COVID in May and. Or like in April. And then like the first week of May, I was like, I need something to distract me. So I started Roast Yourself. And it was comedians playing improv games. So when they get eliminated, they have to roast themselves. And uh, yeah, I I do one episode. We record on Wednesday, so I'm recording later tonight. Uh, And then we, I stream it. I like edit it and stream it for Saturdays. Um, Yeah, and that's just been like a good way to like not think about what's going on in the world. Yeah. Nice. It's a great yeah. idea. I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I like tried to get more of my Alexa jokes in there because my nanny was like, "Write more jokes about me," and I was like, "Now's oh. the time, if ever." Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can play off your skill of dead yeah. mom jokes. Yeah, I, I want <laughs> hit the, hit the dead baby <laughs> jokes. Those are so. Oh man, whoever wrote those is <laughs> those are upsetting. <laughs> they are i know a few and i remember the first yeah yeah they're 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 good no (laughs) i don't know any i have to go look i have to google that later yeah Yeah. 
No, yeah. no, no images. I there are. Uh, I dated someone like 10 years ago who was very shy, very quiet. But when she would get drunk, would just say all of the dead baby jokes. No. Like, what's going on right now? Who is this person? This- She's like, why can't we ever go to parties? You never take me to parties. Whenever we did go to parties, she would do this in front of all of her friends and family. And I was just like. Family, no. Her sister was there always. <laughs> Yeah, so wrong. It was interesting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, on that note, um, <laughs> um, like a mom in your life outside of the story about how your mom is a thief. Um, <laughs> a good one. A good, uh, uh, the original gangster thief. Tell us a story about the funniest thing a mom in your life. Oh man. Uh, you can tell us a few stories too. Like if you My can't. favorite story to tell, are, are we allowed to swear? Okay, oh, yeah. great. Uh, my mom's biggest want. So, all right, my mom had me when she was 19, and uh, I think she just wanted grandkids young. And I think, like, intuitively felt like she knew she was going to pass early. I don't know why, but I just feel like she knew this somehow, some way. And uh, when I was like 15 or 16, I started dating my high school girlfriend, and my mom really wanted grandkids. She was like, I need you to get her pregnant. And I was like, that's not going to happen. Uh, still to this day, no kids. So I was like, not happening, not for me. When I was like 16, my mom called up my stepfather's restaurant where I was working. Uh, and she was looking for my brother, who she also had the same. He's two years younger than me. She was like, I need him to like make me grandbabies too. And I was like, that's not going to happen. That's terrible and she called up and she's like hey where's anthony right now and i was like oh he's at the restaurant uh my stepfather's restaurant and he was there with this girl that he was like trying to date but i don't think she had the interest in uh don't tell anthony i said that (laughs) (laughs) and then my mom goes where's anthony right now i was like he's here at the restaurant she goes what's he doing and i was like oh him and uh person are having dinner right now and my mom said the funniest thing ever. And she goes, well, tell him to stop feeding her and start fucking her. And then, no! <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And then I just stood there, like, with a silent look on my face. And my stepfather's like, what just happened? I told him. He goes, yeah, that sounds like your mom. <laughs> I do the opposite. I'm like... Don't get married. Don't have kids. Don't do it. Don't be dumb. Yeah, my mom really wanted it. <laughs> That's hilarious. My Aww. father's mother was like 16 when she had her first kid. So I feel like just my Jeez. family is like, have young babies. Yeah. Wow. Winter stuff. Yeah. I, I was 35. I was 30. I'm 35 now and have no desire. Yeah. No. Go with the, go with that feeling. Wait as long as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. Having kids is wonderful, but it is very yeah. hard. So I can delay. barely take care of myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I have three. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> I, your mom sounds amazing, yes. by the way. <laughs> yes. Give me another story. I need one more Let's story. Let's see. Awesome. Oh, oh, man. Just. I don't know. Growing up, it was just always something. So, like, it's a lot of, like, short, like, one-line stories that I can't... Uh, I mean, she liked Halloween a whole lot. When I was, like, seven, she went as Michael Jackson. Um, I don't remember <laughs> why, but, like, she was, like, very, like, anti, like, politics. So, like, she was, like, she knew Michael Jackson was canceled. I know we didn't say that word back then, but 
uh, she was like, I don't know. I got to stick up for him anyways. Oh it was my bizarre God. to me. I was like, so she's just like yeah. a potster. Like, yeah, she always like started in trouble uh, when I was little, but like also she had a big heart. So like uh, she, oh, I have a fun one that I just thought of while I was like trying to think of something good. Uh, I was an athlete <laughs> as a little kid, which might be hard to believe by looking at me right now. Uh, I played baseball and basketball and I was pretty good at both. I was like really good at baseball, pretty okay at basketball. And uh, I was at my Catholic school, very small, like student body. And I made it onto the basketball team and I was so proud of myself. And then uh, I think, I don't know why, but I got cut from my basketball team. And I think it had only to do with like the politics of, we were like the poor kids at a rich school, if that makes any sense. I think I got cut from my team because of that. But they cut me at the beginning of a practice one day. And so I had to sit there for like two hours and wait for my mom to get there because this is pre-cell phone. I couldn't be like, mom, come pick me up. And uh, I'm sitting there crying for two hours. I got caught from my basketball team. And then uh, my mom shows up like one practice was supposed to end. And I'm just like crying. She goes, what happened? I told her what I just told you. And my mom went in front of all of these like nuns and priests and parents and just started swearing and cussing out all these priests, telling them that they're going to burn in hell for what they did. No! Yeah, it was... (laughs) Amazing. Unnecessarily <laughs> humiliating. I don't blame your mom at all. Well, my mom hated me going to, I don't know why she sent me to this Catholic school because my mom was, I don't know what her religious, like, so my family's very Catholic. I think my mom was either agnostic or atheist. I'm not sure which. And uh, she didn't want me there. And so, like, anytime she could fight a nun or a priest, she was down for it. <laughs> She's like, I yeah. love this school. What do you got? What do you got, Ronnie? What do you got today? Things called record (laughs) sheets. And so anytime you got a grade on a test, regardless if it was good or bad, you had to have your parents sign it. And my mom hated signing these things. She was like, can you just start learning my signature? So uh, I'll admit this now. Learned how to forge my mom's signature. (laughs) She said, she was like hand over hand showing you. Trace it. I could still, like my handwriting to this day is my mom's handwriting. And I think because of that. Oh, wow. uh, my brother, wow. my brother will look crazy. at my handwritten stuff. He's like, "Why did mom write your jokes?" And I was like, "These are my jokes in my handwriting." <laughs> do you just have uh, the I one have brother? four brothers? Oh wow! Oh. Uh, and where do you fall? The oldest, in the line. and also like the most unlike them because I am the artsy one. All four of them are like athletes. Like, no athletes. way! Oh, wow. I, I was a baseball player, so I don't <laughs> consider that an athlete. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like one time I got in trouble because they were like, you forged your mom's signature. And I was like, no, I didn't. And I like really defended myself. And my mom called up a nun and cussed her out on the phone. And the funniest thing to like watch my mom yell at a nun right in front of me. <laughs> oh yeah, because she was God, swearing that's at her. And I was like, who are you swearing at? Like after she hung up, I was like, who was that? And she goes, Sister Denise. Sister <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she, she had it coming. <laughs> I love you, Sister Denise. Just kidding. <laughs> I wonder if she's watching. I wonder if she like knows what my life is like now. <laughs> probably. She's probably in hell. Probably... Wait, who are you talking it? about? Sister Denise. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about his mom. I'm like, no. oh, it's terrible. Mom and Sister Denise are in hell Sister right Denise. now together. 
<laughs> yeah. and, and your mom's like, I told you. <laughs> I think my mom was Sister Denise's personal hell. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that school. The school shut down, thankfully. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about uh, your mom, your grandmas. So we we're hoping you can give us your all-time favorite moms. Could be historical, could be uh, fictional, it could be real, but do not include the moms Great. that you talked about. Uh, my favorite mom, and I think it's because she's like not like my moms at all, is uh, on Thirty Rock, Elaine Stritch's character, the Jack Donaghy's mom. Are we from yeah, yeah, and it's she's just amazing. like overbearing. Uh, I almost said like I am Italian, so I feel like I almost said Italian, but she's like the overbearing like Irish mom. But I feel like Irish and Italian are the same thing, really. Uh, really. <laughs> I think there's some. Yeah, I think we're the same. We we do the same thing, just use different wording for that all. Uh, yeah, so like that Elaine Church character on that. Oh, man, it's so good. And I'm forgetting what her name is, but I just Miss Donaghy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Mrs. Donaghy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Her, that character. And I think I love her so much because she makes me cringe so much. And I feel like that's what she and my mom have in common. But like, they make me cringe in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> but your body reaction is the same. Because she'll say things that are like outlandish. And then you're like, wait a second. That could be a real mom thought right there. (laughs) Well, so that's one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Let's see. What other moms do I like? I don't. There's just so many good moms out there. Uh, I like the moms on the GIF commercials. Choosy moms choose GIF. Yep. (laughs) I I quote that all the time. Uh, Those are good moms. Those are the moms who make you peanut butter, like literally make you peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, my mom tried to make me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when I was little, but I would trade those for baseball cards and then use my money to buy hot lunch. So I don't know what my like, bartering system was. What, yeah. what a system. So, <laughs> I, I don't like jam or, or like, I like, I like some jams or jellies on cheese, but like not on a sandwich. Like it makes the bread soggy. It's disgusting. So my mom knew that. So when she'd make me a peanut butter sandwich, she would put butter on it. Oh! So it was a butter and peanut butter sandwich. And then I wouldn't eat it. And like, I'm like, this is disgusting. Uh-huh. Like, why did you do this That's to me? Though. Double butter. Uh, <laughs> well, when I was little, similar story oh. was, uh, I, again, was like trading sandwiches for baseball cards. And then I was like, I'm going to use my hot lunch money today to buy this baseball card from this kid. And it was like $3. And then so I made my own sandwich. And it was the first time I made a tuna sandwich. <laughs> and I didn't know you should mix it with mayonnaise because like... <laughs> Canned tuna raw is not delicious at all. And so I just, all it was was tuna and bread. And I got to school and I was like, this is the worst thing ever. And I got home later that day and I was like hungry and tired. And my mom was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I didn't eat all day. (laughs) So just like plain tuna and bread. Yeah. Like there's also the difference of like tuna and water and tuna and oil, but we had tuna and water. So it wasn't like a good tuna. Oh, no. I'm a tuna and water. I prefer tuna tuna and water to tuna in oil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was just, uh, other, one other mom quick that I like a lot. And I know this might be weird, but like, on the cartoon Rocco's Modern Life, are we familiar with Rocco? 
Uh, well, no. I think my no. Rockwater Life hat that was sitting on my table made me think of it. Uh, the parents next door oh, are wow. the Big Heads, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Big Head. Mrs. Big Head was like really cool. Mr. Big Head's a bigot. I feel like they're based on like the bunkers, really. And even like this works too, like Edith yep. Bunker and this is, yeah, same character really. Edith Bunker. And uh, Rocco's Modern Life ended about 10, 15 years ago, but last year they came out with a one-off movie that was like 45 minutes long. And the movie is about uh, their child is uh, transgender transitioning and Mr. Big Head's like really not into it. And Mrs. Big Head is so nurturing and so cool about it. So I was just like, oh, that's just a cool accepting mom right there. True. Really? Oh, it's the best cartoon ever existed. Oh wow, I'm gonna look that up. Like, with the kids, like Uh, I would say teenagers. Yeah, teenagers. Oh, definitely then. Like thirteen. There's a one-off on Netflix. It's Rocco's Modern Life. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Oh man, that's so many moms. moms Uh, So like historical, um, it could be somebody in your real life. See, I'm trying to think of who like because like all the moms that I could think of are all like the lunch ladies from my middle school right now. My brother had, so my brother and I are only a year and a half apart and all of, I was too shy to have friends. So I just kind of mooched off of his friends. And so all of the moms are always around. So my brother's friends, Tim and Mike, their moms were just like in our lives all the time. And so whenever we would get in trouble, like for instance, one time uh, my brother had a party in our backyard and this was the first time he drank beer. We were like, 15 years old and he threw the beer cans out in a clear bag like a clear trash bag not thinking about it and my mom and uh his mom my mom found it like just a bag full of trash or beer cans excuse me and we called uh mike's mom and mike's mom laughed about it she didn't care at all that's what boys do at that age (laughs) and uh and my mom made it seem like that mike's mom was going to come to our house and kick the poop out of us (laughs) was like no this is funny this is so funny but like she encouraged it so i liked her for like encouraging our like debauchery to a point cool moms we had a lot of cool moms growing up in our neighborhood uh and then like i don't know if this counts as a mom but my aunt dawn uh she's only 15 years older than me she never had kids because she had a heart and lung disease but she like definitely like took on mom qualities to me as a kid and uh like she would like take me to play baseball with me. She was a high school athlete. And so she would play baseball with me growing up. She would take me to all my baseball games. Yeah. And she, so when I was like 12 or 13, there was the minor league baseball all-star game in my hometown. So all these like almost famous baseball players were coming to my hometown, uh, New Haven, Connecticut to play baseball. And I was like, I need to go to that. And she's like, I'm taking you to that then. And yeah, I still have this, like, it was the program so from that cool. game of, like, 200 baseball players signed by autographs, and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever, and, uh, yeah, she, like, encouraged all of that, and she would take me to baseball games, uh, teach me baseball, even though I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan, she was a big New York Yankees fan, and Yankees and Red Sox fans hate each other, <laughs> but she, like, encouraged that, and, like, she, like, definitely nurtured, like, my love of baseball. Was oh, she okay. funny? Did she do any funny stuff, or...? No, she was of that. No, <laughs> but just, just very supportive. Yeah. Supportive. She, I don't know. She tried to be funny, but like <laughs> I blocked out all of her jokes cause they weren't funny. <laughs> Sorry. Aunt like, Dawn. Wah, wah. 
She tried. <laughs> she definitely tried. Aw. Yeah. Love it. That um, that was our last question, right, Christine? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I just mostly do social media. All my name at Ronnie Pascal. Uh, R-O-N-N-Y-P-A-S-C-A-L-E. And on YouTube, they made me put an NYC at the end of it because they're like, there's another Ronnie Pascal somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube are my, my big ones. Okay, and so people should be following you before January 1st so that way they can catch all your shows. Yeah, all of those shows will be streaming on YouTube every yeah. morning at, oh man, I set an arbitrary time that people are angry about, 11 a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> My California friends are like, what are you doing to me? Right <laughs> like, that's 8 a.m. California. <laughs> yeah, so they have to be up around like 7.30 to get like coffee and food in them. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. Thanks, Thanks. Ronnie. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. We want to thank Laura Bella for our logo design, C&D Productions for our audio editing, as well as each other, and you, the listeners. We'd love it if you could give us a review wherever you're listening. You can find us on socials at Moms Are Not Funny. Thanks again. Have a great day.